You're listening to the After The Show podcast, the weekly movie review show from your friends at ascully.com. Sid Talk. Yes? Should we talk about the weather? No. The before the after the show discussion (laughs) was... I find it funny, interesting, that I come pretty much at my limit of, it's hot, yep, it's going to be hot tomorrow, yep, and that to me is it, There's that's it. Are you and saying that that's, that's, what I, that's what I say to you? A few times a day, and not just you, so no, don't take it so personally. Okay, that's not true. If I could record the whole day of events in this house, you would go, oh, right, I do say it. I don't care when you say it. It's the whole world that won't stop saying it. And if you're affected by it, I said, I'm totally for it. And it is a fact that it is hot. End of conversation. (laughs) Pretty much, right? Unless you're a roofer or a builder or a... uh, any other profession where you're outside or you're not fortunate enough like us to have an air conditioning in your house or your car... Or if you do have to, you know, get a bus to go to work every day, and I see people waiting for the bus, and I truly think those people are really affected by it, because standing out there waiting for a bus at 110 degrees... How about you're allergic to the air conditioner, so you can't have it on? I know a couple people like that. Yep. Right. Then they are affected by it, therefore their conversation might be warranted. But most of us don't live the way where we have to spend lots of time outside. So don't uh, don't send us emails about the weather. You can do whatever you want. We I don't care. I'm not telling you not to. I just want to understand it. That's all. Okay, so send Sid Talk emails explaining explain why you like the weather. No, not why you like the weather. No, I mean why you're interested in the temperature. Nope. Why you make it a huge top of conversation day after day. Okay. If you're not truly affected by it. Everyone else, I give you a pass. Um, <laughs> and if you're not the weatherman for the local weather station. Because you have to know. Oh, I'd be interested to talk to the weatherman. That'd be fascinating. Well, he's a meteorologist, so yeah, he's got he a knows, vested interest. Exactly. He's affected by the weather. Correct. <laughs> Some Joe Blow who sits on his butt at home all night, sleeping in his air-conditioned house, and then he walks to his car for two seconds, and then walks into work for two seconds... For eight hours, sits in the air conditioning, and then walks to his car, and then walks to his house, and then bellows constantly about the heat, and it's going to be hot next week. It's like, it's just regurgitating a conversation that's floating around that hit him in the head and just keeps flying out of his mouth like everybody else. Okay, so... (laughs) Uh, that's the before the show discussion. (laughs) That is the tail end of it, yeah. It is Monday, July the 9th. I've started... By, I'm now going to say what day this podcast comes out. Why? Just to avoid confusion. Just uh, it's Who's confused? People who are listening to it. Me? When you say the next tomorrow's day or no, whatever. Monday. Exactly. I'm the one that's confused. So what I'm going to say is we record this two days generally before it goes up on air, right? What if someone gets it next Friday for the first time? Then they will know on Monday, July the 9th, this podcast appeared on the internet. Hmm... They'll be under the illusion or delusion and that it was we recorded, recorded it two on, days previous. But they don't know that if you say the yeah. Monday. So anyway, stage. it's Monday, July the 9th, twenty twelve, and it's this is July seventh. And this is after <laughs> the show number two hundred and thirty-one. Um, we're looking at the movie this week, Jeff Who Lives at Home, the Blu-ray edition. It's a two thousand and eleven movie. 
came out on Blu-ray on the 19th of June. And it's R-rated with no tagline whatsoever from our friends at Paramount. And you are going to give us a synopsis of this movie. A loser guy who still lives with his mother, pretty yes. much unmotivated, do nothing, but with sort of a hippie, rosy-eyed look at the world, sort of mystical and thinking he's seeing signs of things and trying to figure things out. No job, nothing like that. And then his brother is sort of a, the asshole he got the car, wants the fancy car, has the wife trying to be upper middle class but can't quite get there. And then the mother, who's just an aging middle-aged woman, a little over middle age at work, alone, kind of maybe wanting some romance. And um, the loser son sort of in, injects his tidbits of... It's hidden... But it's still obviously overt throughout the movie's thing of, like, the whole world is connected. Everything in the universe is connected. There's nothing coincidental. It's all signs to lead you to your destiny. Would you, uh... uh so, going on to the movie, uh, would you would you classify this... What would you classify it as? What kind of movie is it? Is it a comedy? Is yeah. it a drama? Is it a... Comedy. So, you, I... Personally, I don't think it's a comedy. I think it's like a hybrid between a drama and a comedy or something. So, it's a dramedy. That's yeah. a real thing now. Is it? Yeah. That's what it is. Because it, it's not... Or a comma. Bridesmaids. <laughs> it's either a dramedy or a comma. Yeah. It's not Bridesmaids or The Hangover. It's more of a... I mean, they've all got mm-hmm. something to say. Even Bridesmaids has got something to say, hasn't it? Like, mm-hmm. it has an underlying theme on top of... With the comedy layered all, all over it. This one, I think the theme's more than the comedy, if you get what I'm saying. Yes. So it, it's the reverse of Bridesmaids. Um, so yeah, it's a small, I would say independent film, but it's not an independent film, is it? It's a just a lower budget film, um, and I like these type of movies. I mean, Young Adult is one we saw recently, which is a similar. Mm-hmm. You could fit into the same category, and um, one of my recommendations this week, which I won't say yet, but you'll- I think that. Um- what we've done in the last 10 years is when we have in the past thought of coming of age movies, we were thinking of becoming, going from like a preteen to a teenager and into your adult years. That was coming of age. Boys who are learning about sex and about the harshness of the world. Girls who are learning about themselves and relationships. Like and John Hughes movies or... Yeah, where you are, you're you're not a child and you're not a grown-up and you're in between. Whereas now, our generations, very specifically, we were all born in the late 60s, um, our idea of coming of age is truly examining what the fuck are we doing? What is this life about? What do I... I'm Okay, I've got all the things. I've got all the trappings. Now what? And it's that revelation that you may have at your mid-age, you know, between 30 and 50 of what's life really about. I mean, City Slickers could be considered a grown person's coming-of-age movie because he's blah, and then an event and thinking starts happening. You young know, young so adults. That's what I think. About. Which was, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. also, yeah. They're all about Any good episode movie. Uh, <clears throat> yes. Like, you know. Adults coming of age. Yeah. So, and this fits into that mold. Um... I just don't... I don't think... I, I really liked it, I've got to say that. But I don't think... If you're coming for comedy, I don't think that's really what it is. It's not balls-out comedy. It's more like thinking about situations. And it, the way it all comes together... I don't want to spoil the movie, Mm-mm. but the way it 
accumulates towards the end is was really well done. I thought. I mean, the, I didn't expect what happened, and you can't expect what happens. No. Even though the opening speech in this movie, and if you haven't seen the movie Signs, the M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong, Mel Gibson extravaganza. If you haven't seen that movie, that movie is spoiled in the first minute or two of this, like mm-hmm. pretty badly. Like so. Go and see that first, because I think that's a movie worth seeing. I don't know if it's spoiled, but... Well, he kind of... He says one of the main things in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't want to know that information before you saw that movie. True. I wouldn't, no. No, and Signs is a movie worth seeing. So Absolutely. go and see Signs. Get it on Netflix or whatever. And then see this. Yeah, get them together. So yeah, that you what, might actually, yeah, actually... You might have in your mind this Jeff's same sort of like, ah, oh, about it. You never know. Yeah, and there there are, f- uh, funnily as it is, there are similarities between Signs and this movie. And that's the idea, really. Yeah. Um, but it's not, you know, the Signs one's a bit more out there than this. But yeah, it's about... What would you say? It's about... Coming of age. Like, getting over the hump of either... Growing up? Growing up, like or, his brother hasn't really grown up, and neither is he. But what's he growing up? Is it breaking free from all of the expectations people have of you? Because, or is it, or is it because they're opposites? One brother has followed all the rules. Yes, yeah. buying a but he's car, happy. and he's got the wife, and well, he thought he was fine mm. until she reminded him that he's a fuck up. Which it sounds <laughs> in this movie is like perfectly. You just go, right, because he's not even thinking about it. And then the other brother hasn't followed any of these rules, and yet a revelation of sorts could push him into going, okay, now I'm ready. I'll get the job. I'll get the car. I'll get the house. So it's like a weird, just the wake up, wake up kind of movie. Actually, um, the two brothers, they're both nice guys. It's just the Ed Helms character who appears like a complete asshole. He's actually a nice guy underneath it all because his brother reminds him of that. Yeah. That they're actually the same. It's just the life took them in a different... I'm not sure how nice he is. That little speech he gave his wife about, okay, I'm going to let you blabber on about whatever you think is important. That's what I'm saying. That's the asshole part of him. But underneath that, the, where they sat in the bathtub. Yeah. And, and, and he tells him, I think he realizes that that's just like this thing that's piled on top of him. That oh, yeah. he, he actually is not that. He's more Jeff. He just hasn't been able to do it, to be it. And you Jeff know? is the guy who... Yeah, super compassionate. Anything goes kind of... Can't we all just get along? Very open-minded. Like, um... <laughs> You could say he's also like uh, doing uh, bong at the beginning and stuff, and you could say, well, maybe he's open-minded because of that. But no, I think he's very open-minded. He wants to. He wants to believe in things. Hence his fascination yeah, with the movie Signs. Like, yeah, I want to believe. Um, so yeah, he's got this open, kind of a kid's view of life almost, which is stunting him in his life. Absolutely. But is it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because his brother hasn't got this, and his brother's also, you know, his brother's in, in the opposite way. It's good. It's actually really good. And then you've got the mother, who is affected by both of them, because one of them's still living with her, and the other one... It's a shallow... Yeah. Yeah. So, did you, did you like it? I did. I like these little 
I, d- I don't know about this movie. I didn't know it existed, to be honest. I saw them on the front, and I kind of like them too. And it looks... Somehow, small comedies look like small comedies from the covers. Why do you think it's small? Well, it's just a low budget. Why does that make a movie small? I don't like, like Young Adult was. I don't, I don't know. I guess I just call it small. Like, um... Because I don't think of something contained, like On yeah. Golden Pond as a small movie, but it's a very contained movie as well. Small cast, small number of sets, quiet, talky movie. Yeah. But I don't think of it as a small movie. Do you know what Maybe I mean? Maybe it's the wrong word then. Maybe no, I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just want to know like what you mean. So low budget's probably more what I mean. Like, it's not... It, I mean, it's well made. Now, okay, I've got, to, I've got to say this, and you're probably waiting to say this too, aren't you? The Duplass brothers who um, directed this and wrote it. They also did uh, Cyrus, which is you've not you didn't see Cyrus, mm-hmm. but I did. It's a um, really really good movie, but it's Jonah Hill, unfortunately. So you're not going to be into it. <laughs> it's Jonah Hill and John, it could be the turning point. It's Jonah Hill and John C. Riley, and it was really good. I when I did rec- you see this. I saw it on Voodoo when I got a free pass on Voodoo when I got my PlayStation Three, and I had a ticket that was going to run out and just watched it. And that was the film that was on the front page that you could choose for free, so I watched it. Um, and you said you didn't care because John Hill was in it, so I watched it. No, I said I don't like him, but you never know. I could um, find the one movie that turns me around. But I said to you after I'd watched it, I recommend it because it's really good, and John C. Riley's exceptional in it, and that's their other movie. They made two movies, mm. this one and that one. Um, but they've got a fascination with the handheld camera, zoom in, zoom out, zoom yeah. in, zoom out. And Cyrus is really... It's an awesome movie, but it borderline offends me how bad the camera... I mean, it's not bad camera work, it's just a style of camera work. But in Cyrus, it's in, out, in, out, shake it all about. And they do it in this too, a a bit less, but it's still... I notice it, and it takes me out of it, because I'm bugged by it. Because it's supposed to insinuate a, a, a notch up in emotion, or if you use a camera trick, it should be... Either overtly simply for style, right, just because you want to make it look weird or crazy, or it's supposed to reflect or bring the you as the viewer visually give you an, an idea of this character's emotional state or their physical surroundings all of a sudden. You know, if they're running, then you want the camera to shake a little because you've got to get in the mind of... A, but this was nothing. Like da 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 da. It doesn't zoom, help zoom the story. No, it doesn't yeah. do anything. It was it's just what, weird. If I had to describe it to you, watch the US version of The Office. And the zoom ins and the they do it on there. They zoom in on people and zoom out slightly. It's it's to say, Oh look at him, he's doing something over there. Ooh, and mm-hmm. it goes in and it's kinda handheld, but it's not because the image is really clear, it's not like it's a cloverfield situation. It's it's just a weird zoom. Somebody cranks the thing, zooms in and out, and, and then they stay out, or they stay in. And it's... I'll tell you another movie that did it. Battle Los Angeles. And it was a little bit too much. Yeah. It, it's, it's, if I notice it, and you do it all the time, because this movie never stops doing it. It's always doing it in every scene. And the reason you notice it is it's not in the flow of what's no, really it, going like, on. Like, this would have been a better movie as a static filmed movie like don't do that camera move at all 
But the movie looks really great, like the the actual camera. And what we're talking about, like, if you zoom in on a character really fast and then zoom out a tiny bit, it should be a moment of, like, they've just gotten some bad news. Do it once. they just had an emotional thing. Do it or, once in your whole movie. Well, I mean, there has to be a reason, is what I'm saying. That's you do what it I'm ten saying. times, but make sure each time it's because of something. Now, Cyrus does it, I would say, if this... If this movie does it 50% of the time, Cyrus does it about 90% of the time. Oh, I didn't even think of it that much. No, this does it a lot. I noticed it like seven times. I was counting for a little while and then I dropped off. It happens all the time in this movie. And it happens for no reason. It doesn't... He doesn't emotionalize anything. There's scenes where... The one where he was playing basketball near the beginning. Mm -hmm. Where it just like... Or she's sitting at her desk and it went... Yeah, like in, out, in, out. And you're like... Is am I supposed like I could understand if something really like um, dangerous was about Absolutely. to happen, like and you know like like the Bond identity or something where where yes they heighten the sense of or danger. someone's on the phone and you don't know what's being said on the other end and it zooms in real fast and then the person's face drops or raises then you know ah something bad or good just was told to them like it needs to, it's a visual thing and these guys have made two very small. As I said before, small, very low budget comedy slash dramas. They're they're not action movies. They're not dangerous or anything like that. They're character studies. I found the poofy chair by one of them as well. That's another movie one of them made. And right, there's, it's a and shot. the other one was in it. Uh, I don't know. Um, but the the two main movies they made are these two, and they're both very similar, very similar budget, very similar style stories. Almost, in fact, Cyrus is. It's very similar to this story. Um, but it's almost like they want to make an action film. Or there's an action film inside them. And if they'd made an action film with that camera work, it would probably work. But or is it just in their mind from their... How old are they? I'm not, not sure. That there's something... They think there's something too static about a, just a, a one-shot of a person. That they need a little... All that, that, what is it, what are they called? Dynamic shots and, you know, so it's not just sitting there and, you know, who knows? Maybe that's just their thing. It is their thing, obviously, because they've done it in both films. It's their thing. Well, it's not their, not just their thing. A lot of people do it nowadays. But, um... You're saying that it made it less good? Yeah, I would have preferred to see this film traditionally just... I don't mean, like, boring. (laughs) I'm just saying... If you if you subtracted the zoom in and outs, but just left the shots as they were, I think it would be better for me. Because it's not necessary. It doesn't add anything to it. It just adds a visual flair thing that I don't that doesn't particularly match like. what you're seeing. Yeah, like in Jason Bourne movie where it zooms in and out a lot. I don't care because it's exciting. I'm on the edge of my seat. It's that kind of movie. This is a movie where you sit and think about the relationships and the character dynamics. You don't need to be distracted by a zoom in and zoom out. It's it's almost gimmicky in this movie. Yeah, like like they've seen it, and it, and it kind of Cyrus is so good. There's too much of it in it, and I was hoping, well, the Cyrus was a really good story, and this is by them. Hopefully, they ditch that camera work, and literally in the first thirty seconds, yeah. it started happening. And I went, oh, they did no, a little they, wiggle as well, and I was like, "What's it? that yeah, for? Like, did, there's nothing." Yeah, yeah, the wiggle. There's no reason for that wig. I was trying to think: Am I? Are we? Is this a? Uh, is he? Uh, something going yeah. on? Because that's what you're, you're. I guess we're trained as movie lover people to think when the camera's involved, it's part of it, not yeah. just a thing that. 
like something's occurring. Like the opening scene is him sat on the toilet reading. Uh, well, he's recording into a dictaphone, but we're listening to a, a dialogue from him to himself, right? And um, the wiggle occurs, mm-hmm. and I thought, and I shouldn't think this because it's nothing to do with it. It's somebody's filming him for a documentary or something, right? And he's, you know, like he's being filmed. Like, I'm not supposed to be aware of the camera in that scene at all, am I? I mean, right. the camera doesn't factor into that scene. I mean, it would if, if the camera pulled out and there was a documentary film team stood in front of him, filming him on the toilet, reading a dictaphone, then it would make sense. But it doesn't make sense, that wagg- waggling. But, um, yeah, subtract the waggling. When you do your next movie, unless it's an action film and it is going to be good, in it? But even then, don't overdo it. Domino's a good example of a filmmaker with lots of visual tricks like Tony Scott and using it too much. To I personally totally think Domino's probably a better film without all that stuff. Too. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just too much. Like, it gets on your nerves. Like, it's. I'm not saying I'm old fashioned. I just want to see static, boring shots. Like, some people would say, like, The Godfather. Everything's static and, you know, still. Just think about. What's happening? Who's talking? What are they talking about? The action that may or may not be occurring. And apply any visual tricks to that. Yeah. Because it makes sense. If you're doing some wacky comedy where it's a parody of everything, that's different. Yeah. But when you want to tell the story in a way that makes the viewer sort of sucked in a little bit more, that's what all that camera stuff is supposed to be for. To either make me feel the tension more or draw me in more sympathetic to a person or whatever. And we don't need to be aware of the camera. It makes sense in a movie like Cloverfield where obviously the camera is part of the story. They're carrying a camera and it's just a cell phone and they're running around with a camera. Makes absolute sense. Starship Troopers that we watched the other day. It has a lot of wiggly-woggly camera stuff because there are reporters with cameras covering this war and filming some stuff. Makes sense. Those scenes. This doesn't make sense to me. But that's all I say about the camera. Subtract that camera. I really like this story. I like the performances in the story. So let's move on to the cast. Jason Segal as uh, Jeff. We last saw him in The Muppets. Here he is again. I Possibly my favourite role I've seen him in. Mm. It's really... I mean, forgetting Sarah Marshall is also one of my favourites for, for his role. Because um, I think it's really sweet, that role he does in there. And, I and love, The Muppets. I love the part with... <laughs> the Muppets is very sweet. But yeah, I love the... There's even Muppets in But the, isn't it just him mostly being him? Every single movie is... I think he really this one has a lot of downplays close-ups. himself in this one. This one, he has a lot of close-ups where he's pensive and a little pouty and sort of like, maybe what's really... What am I looking for in life? You know, that kind of look, which I'm not putting it down, but I don't know what what else. So that's it for him. Do you know what I mean? So far is the sweet, quiet, pensive, a bit person. I thought he downplayed himself in this quite a lot. And I really liked that speech he was giving on the toilet at the beginning because I saw all kinds of emotion like in that speech. True. Like, in, like the true enthusiasm for something. And he was really and thinking the, about it. Yeah, and, and he even like thinks about so, one of the things he said and kind of surprises himself at one moment. Do you remember that mm-hmm. way it kind of went? Like, because he's saying about how he's watched signs and how every time he watches it, he sees something new in it. 
and then he must think he's like he thinks of something else. He's like, whoa, like it. I, I really liked his performance in this, and especially when he was like giving life advice, which is ill. You know, you could say, well, how can he give life yeah. advice? But he's giving life advice to Ed Helms' character, his brother. And it's really sincere, and I I feel it between. But I feel like that's how he might be, right? So I don't know. I don't know what else I would expect ever, whatever kind of movie. But to me, it's extreme. It's not extremely. It is neutral. Well, to me, I really like him in this. It's. I don't. Know. I think he's appropriate. I definitely. like him as well, though. I mean, I've always. I think um, the first time I saw him was forgetting Sarah Marshall, and I've liked anything he's been in since, you know? I liked that, because it was my first time, and then the more I see him, it's sort of leveled off. Right. I'm just waiting for something that I feel a little more, maybe more connected to, I don't know. Right, so Ed Helms plays his brother Pat, and you'll all know Ed Helms from uh, The Office, um, and one of my recommendations this week. Um, I, I really like him too, I think he can do comedy, and over the top shit. This is the same as everything else, too. It is, really, but he's well cast in this because that brother needs to be that over-the-top... I disagree, because I think, because I don't find him credible when he plays that kind of character, where he's the asshole guy and saying to his wife, okay, I'll let you get over your blah-blah-blah because he's supposed to be the comedy jerk guy, then when it is called upon him to be more serious, I'm... I can't... I don't buy it, not even a little tiny bit, because there's too much of the <laughs> kind of guy. Right. So he needed to, for me, cut down some of that in the beginning, you know, the the office character guy. Yeah. Because that's what I got mostly. I mean, they laid it on thick that he was a And then when dick. it was time for him to be serious, all I'm thinking is he's just joking. Like, he's just joking right. around. You know what I mean? So... All right, so we'll agree to disagree on him, but I, I like him. Um, I didn't say I don't like him. No, I mean, I liked him in this. I, I felt that he was perfectly cast. I liked him in too, but I didn't like that he couldn't crank down that first part a little bit to make the second part, or the other part of him, more believable. And then uh, third, there's Susan Sarandon as Sharon, who's the mother of them. Um, really good. Yeah, her story's a, a, a bit... It's quite different to theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost seemed... I know it all ties together in the end, but it almost seemed like something totally different from the what... And I see it as all the same. Right, obviously, like I said, it does all... Yeah. It does all match at the end. But as I was... I had the feeling, where is this part going? I had that feeling. Oh, I mean, it's the same as in the asshole brother is having a thing about changing life, needing to do some changes in his life. Yeah, all three of them are, yeah. Yes, they're all the same to me. Like, she's obviously contemplating whether she wants to be alone forever or not, or what's what's my life going to be for the next rest of my life, you know, and they're all doing the same. And then finally, uh, yeah, and Susan Sarandon, um, you all know Susan Sarandon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, Judy Greer as Linda. There's not many people in this movie, Oh, right, you forgot Ray Don Chung. Who? Ray Don Chung. She's the Ray Don friend. Chung. Ray Don Chung is her name. I don't know who that is. You do. She's the late. She's Susan Sarandon's office friend. Oh right, she's barely in it. She has like the main scenes with Susan Sarandon. Yes. Right. It's a very small amount of. I, oh, I, I just just pivotal. All right, then. So who is she? Who is she? She's the she's like Megan the eighties. Remember, she was in a bunch of movies. She was in um, uh, Commando. 
I'm not saying she was in great movies, but she was like the female in Commando with... Arnold. Yes. And seems to me she was one of those devil movies with somebody where she was like, I don't know how to describe it, like a New Orleans kind of... Maybe that was that other young lady. I don't know. But uh, that's where she, we would have seen her more from. The, and she's on a lot of TV shows, too. Right. And she was fine. Yeah. Really good, I thought. And Judy Gray plays um, Ed Helms' wife, Linda. Um, and she's not in it at all either. No, but the scene where she's trying to explain to him that you don't fucking listen to me was as if she was telling her own husband. Yeah. I mean, it was 100%. Like, you do, you're not listening to me. It's not about that. It's about what I'm saying to you. And she was exactly right. And that's why I thought Ed Helms' replies back was ex- very realistic. Our man and a woman, like, misunderstand each other. Yeah, I felt she was very clear, and he was just not... Yeah, well, that's how it worked, right? (laughs) So I I like that scene. It was obviously wrote from... Real life. People who've had Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, the cast in general is really good, I think. Um, And, you know, it's just... It's a... I hate to say smaller all the time, but it's a smaller movie. Not everybody will... But isn't really. It's just a movie, isn't it? Not everybody will... um, I mean, it's just a movie, like... Yeah, not every... You know the kind of person who goes to see 21 Jump Street and uh, Superbad and Bridesmaids and Hangover? I don't know if this is their movie. It's more like my movie. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, I class it right, up, right in the same category as Bridesmaids. Oh, I don't. Uh, I don't at all. Bridesmaids is way wacky. Yeah, I'm not saying it's the same kind of movie. It's the same size, if we're measuring by size. Oh, I'm not talking about the size. I'm talking about, like, the hilarity factor of it this isn't a hilarious movie in fact it's more less hilarious you know it's more deep and so how did 21 Jump Street and Bridesmaids compare I was just talking about the kind of people who go and see those kind of movies like 21 Jump Street's a crazy comedy with uh, Jonah Hill and Bridesmaids is a female crazy comedy with a whole female cast and The Hangover's a crazy Ed Helms you know they all stick together those kind of movies like crazy over the top kind of raunchy comedy this is not that it's not raunchy it's not mm. I said to you at the end it's R rated the only reason there, I think there's is some swearing and a bit of drug use but apart from that I think that's why if there was a TV version it took those bits out it wouldn't hurt the movie actually because you'd get the, the deal you don't need to show him doing a bunk really you no. just show him in the basement watching TV it doesn't you can you know? make it clear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was kind of like, yeah, I can understand why it's R-rated, but it's not that bad as in terms no, of, no. it's not somebody swearing all the time. In no. fact, the swear words are used quite There's sparingly. no nudity, no sex. So, um, directed by the Duplass brothers, who I said directed Cyrus, you should just see Cyrus as a companion piece to this film. I should recommend it <laughs> this week. Right. Because it... Now I think about it, it's the, it's so similar, the story. You know, about a stunted, stunted people. People who can't get with the, uh, what do you call it? Mm. The status quo, like. Right. That's also about that. And, you know, Jonah Hill's, Jonah Hill's character in there is kind of awkward and so is uh, you know it's an awkward if anyone who doesn't listen to the show doesn't understand I do not like Jonah Hill even 
the t- not as a human being. I don't know him, but on the screen, it, I am instantly disappointed when I see his face. I don't want to listen to his voice. I don't want to watch him do his little weird wobbly shit that he does with his sarcastic whatever. And it lowers every movie I've seen. It lowers the whole of it a little bit, even if I like the movie. I didn't hate. Um, get him to the. Greek. Greek. I didn't hate it at all. It was fun. It was funny. It was kind of wacky and all that. But every time he came on the screen, I was a little bit like, Argh! I just don't know what it is. So maybe that one would uh, turn me around. You never know. So um, Jeff, uh, who lives at home, is on Blu-ray. And uh, Blu-rays normally come with some extras. But this <laughs> one comes with no extras whatsoever. It's just plain, bare bones, the movie, nothing else. How much is it? Uh, more than most Blu-rays, which is all, it seems always seems the case. These smaller movies that have no extras <laughs> and are just the movie always seem to cost more than the big blockbuster movies. I don't know what their reasoning is on a I think the reasons they is. don't make as many, uh, they don't think it's going to appeal to as many people as like a, um, you know, they put out like Iron Man. They know they can sell a gazillion of Iron Man. With this, they don't really know. Or, yeah. Or they compare it to the box office success and say... This amount of people saw at the box office. This is kind of what we expect people would buy it. Hmm. I don't know. They're always more expensive. It's nearly 30 bucks. Wow. Which, which is high, like twenty eight ninety nine. if you read my written reviews, you're going to hear about that. Yeah, so, it, you know, and that happens all the time. The ones that don't have any extras and are just the bare bones movie seem to be the most expensive. And I think it must just be to do with... Make, make back your money. Make back your money or... it. Or because they're making less, they have to pay more, literally more, for the manufacturing. And they must look at the box office, how this did at the box office, which I would assume it wouldn't have been a runaway. Yeah, but wouldn't you then go, hey, everybody, our DVD's ten bucks, so we want you to see it. In a in a good world, they would, right? But they'd <laughs> never mean, do it. Like. That only makes sense, like... We're not experts on commerce, no. obviously, because <laughs> we'd sell it for five dollars and say, like, let's sell a million of them, because exactly. it's five dollars and everybody's going to pick it up, but... That's not how it works, apparently. So, yeah, it's quite expensive and there are no extras. I mean, I'm talking nothing. Nothing. You can go through the scene selection. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a static image, which is the front cover of the um, movie, as the menu. So, um, in conclusion, I enjoyed it. It's not a must-own purchase type of movie for me. and own, Especially because the, there's no commentary or anything, like... Um, There's no rewatchability. No, no, I don't think so, really. But it is an, a fun, you know. Did it give you any revelations about your own life? No, because I've seen movies like this before. So no, but was it supposed to? I, mean, I think that's kind of part of their point, isn't it? To examine like these characters are thinking about their relationships and where they are in life and how they talk to each other and. You know, I think that's part of storytelling, isn't it? Yeah, and it might it sh- might to some because it is more a thinky movie than a, a comedy movie. Like I say, there are a couple of comedy-ish things, mm-hmm. but I kind of like that about it because it's more subdued than more subdued than that, and it's more about the drama. So yeah, I I would recommend it, but I would probably recommend more like just stream it or get or it. get signs. And this, and watch them. It together. does make a good <laughs> pair, doesn't it? Because you would see exactly where he's coming from if you watch Science First. Well, I don't know about that, but at least well, you, you know, know where what he's, he's talking about. You know where his head is, because that... Unless you watch Science and go, what kind of 
what the hell? I don't yeah. get what he's talking about, but at least you'll know what movie he's talking about. So uh, thanks to Paramount for the Blu-ray. I uh, want to say next week's Blu-ray review will be the uh, oh Barbarella, Queen of the Galaxy. I'm excited because I've not seen it for a long time and they've actually done a restoration on it. So Barbarella, as you've never seen it before, I guess. Um, you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. It's been 20 years, so or 25 years probably. I think it's... 1968 it was uh, made um, so it's quite old <laughs> but you know this. I think I feel that this might be one of them Blu-rays where you know you go oh yeah old films look really good on Blu-ray so I'm excited plus it's a really fun movie um, we'll talk about it more next week so Barbarella um, if you want to enter a contest you cannot because I don't have any going at the moment weird but I have one in Why? the pipe is all it just, because it's so hot outside they all just uh, finished on the end of the last month and I've got the new ones for July and they usually come towards the middle of the month so keep checking back on the contest page and you will see some contests soon movie game what's the movie game movie game is movie memory one two three so can I do four movies no one person uh, will say to the other name three movies that have fill in the blank or do fill in the blank. And there'll be three answers. And there should be from your own memory, not from looking it up or anything. And it doesn't have to be movies you've seen, but just that you know have this, whatever it is. And mine for this week are, we don't have any theme music or anything for this particular game, but mine are three movies that have a lone seeker of justice with no magical powers or anything special about him, but he's just the lone you know, doing right against wrong, really, but with no special, no mystical anything going on. Doing right. Doing right in a world that's very wrong. Okay. And that could be interpreted all kinds of ways. Falling down. Does that ma- Does that... He's not doing right. See, he I, thinks I he think is. he is. I think he is. <laughs> but he's not. All no, right. doesn't count. What about the Punisher? I've never seen it, so I don't know. He's no no powers at all, but he's a vigilante. Does he only kill like, bad guys? Yeah, only okay. bad guys. You've seen this movie? Yeah. yeah. When? Like the eight, when it came out? Well, I thought it was just recent, with no, Mark not, Wahlberg, or whatever. No, Mark Wahlberg was Max Payne, maybe. Right. Punisher was ten years ago. More. Mm. Okay, that one counts. Um... Let's see. Doing right with no superpowers. Again, also against like what seem like Kick insurmountable ass. odds. Kick ass. No superpowers. Doing the right thing. True. No superpowers. They have, uh, they have lots of mega weird tools and stuff, though. Not really. Kind of out of their... Of course they do. They have yeah, all but, kinds of weapons and shit. Yeah, but That's the fine. kid is starts off as nothing. He just goes out and tells people who are doing shit wrong and gets his ass. It's not really about having mind, but okay. I think that's right. But he's not really a loner. I'm talking about the lone guy who's just like, you know, maybe doomed, maybe not, but just a loner. Like, he's got nothing to lose and nothing to gain even, but he's just going to try to do right in this really fucked up world that he's in. Hobo with a shotgun. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> There's one. Yeah, that's two. Yes. That's all right. Yeah. I thought I had three. No, that's two. The Punisher Kick-Ass in that one. Oh, right. I don't know. I don't think Kick-Ass counts. It doesn't? No, because he's not a loner. Right. Really. He's and got... Falling Down doesn't count either. No. 
because he's he not a... doing right. <laughs> Rambo. Is he a... The original... He's just trying to write his own thing, right? Because they're picking on him. He's not trying to make the world better. Oh, it has to be the world better. Well, you know what I'm saying. He's trying There's to, a lot of fucked up trying, shit going on. They're all on. wrong. They're all corrupt and shit. And he's trying to... But they're trying to kill him. He's trying to save himself. Yes. I'm talking about, I guess, a lone person who's trying to do right in the world. You know, like, like Hobo with Shotgun. He wants the world to be better. Yes. Takes upon himself as a vigilante to sort of erase the, the assholes of the world. All right, I don't know. Go on. Escape from New York. He's like the lone against this horrible, against all odds, you know what I mean? Moving himself forward. He's like the right. symbol of the lone, you know? What was my other one? Um, I don't know. I mean, that makes three, but... Yeah, we we win. Oh, your, bat- <laughs> your batteries have gone on your mouse, haven't they? No, not at all. Oh, it just doesn't always show up in that, unfortunately. I win, then. Well, we'll see. What was number three? All right, so... Oh, are we looking... I'm looking to see what my other one was. Okay, Book so... Book of Eli. Yep, Book of Eli. Yeah, that was a good one. Where yes. he's just a man, no I, special And once you see the end scene, you kind of understand... Uh, exactly. What, ...what he's all about. Um, so, movie recommendations for this week. I am going with, based on this movie, number one, Punch Drunk Love with Adam Sandler. Um, Why? P.T. Anderson movie. This had uh, a lot of the vibe of it for me at the beginning, and it was mainly down to the score that this movie has and how it's presented when the drama is being unfolded. Lots of, like, drum beats that just... Yeah. Just real minimal... Delicate. Just put a strong And then that sort of, like... Yeah, and it and it kind of sets the whole emotional tone for the movie. And Punch Drunk Love, it's kind of like a musical piece with actors over the top of it. Mm-hmm. If you if you listen, well, it's like an art because it even has uh, paintings in the intermission parts. But it has this building kind of rhythmic score that is different the entire time. But it like it swells and ebbs with the people. So that's what I was saying. It compared to and the other ones because uh, Ed Helms is in it, and we saw it recently. Cedar Rapids. Which is another similar... If you're like Jeff who lives at home, go and see Cedar Rapids. They kind of fit together for me. Like, you know, it's the kind of... Where are they going to go see it? On Blu-ray. <laughs> In their living room? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the similar type of... If you like one, you'd probably like the other. Middle-aging. Yeah. Finding something about life. And Ed Helms pretty much plays almost the same guy in both, really. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you not seeing that as you go through his career? He's the yeah. same. Well, the maybe time. we will see a big breakout performance where he's something completely different. His potential to be serious, but yeah. I think his sarcasm just will going to leak out every single time. In mine are, these are movies about a little bit of mysticism added into relationships. So, The Butcher's Wife, which I forget most of it. But it was about sort of like, do you believe in love and the magic of love and fate and destiny and all that kind of stuff. Not a great movie, but uh, I really liked it back in the day. And Witches of Eastwick, again. Maybe a little bit of mysticism going on in there. Maybe a dude who's just... I saw The Witches of Eastwick in the cinema and absolutely hated it. Like, hated it. Like I think I, I saw it on VHS. Came first. out of the cinema, and I was like, what the hell? I just hated that movie, right? It was, it was a weird thing. I just hated it. I don't know what it was. 
I don't know, it was, it was weird. Weird for me, right? And then a bit later on in life, I watched it. I was like, it was on TV. And I As watched we it. do. <laughs> Here's what I can explain to some people. If you're like us, there are times in your life when you've got HBO, and maybe that's yeah. your only choice of movie channels. you got no rentals, you got nothing. you got HBO. And what you'll do is a movie comes on, dun da 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 HBO's feature presentation, and then you see it's it, Witches of Eastwick, and you're like, fuck. Oh, well. That's what I did. I'll sit through this, because yeah. maybe something will yeah. be on later. <laughs> and that's what I did, and I went, oh, which is it? Oh, God, I hated that movie. And then it was on, and I was half paying attention. And then, when it started getting interesting, I fully paid attention, and then decided, yeah, I kind of like that movie. And I hated it. I remember, like, thinking, I've got to go and tell people I re- how bad this is. Because, how... It was just... I don't know. It just got me wrong, like... Or I got it wrong. I was young. When it came out. So, um, yeah. Which is a Eastwick story. So, Games and A Scully stuff for this week. I have been playing. And I want to recommend this one to people. I have before. But it's a free game. If you own a PS Vita. So, the three people out there who own a PS Vita. It's for you. And there's a free game on the PlayStation Store. It's called The Treasures of Montezuma Blitz. And... If you've got an iPad or an iPhone or an Android tablet or an Android phone, you're probably familiar with this game because it's on all those platforms. And it's one of those freemium games on those platforms where you have to pay to play it kind of thing. But on the Vita, it's completely free. And they've just patched it this week, and this is why I mention it again. And the patch has changed the game completely. It's just loads more fun now. It's like um, they changed the mechanics of the game. It's a it's a match three game. It's nothing complicated. You match the colours. You see me right, playing yeah. it. I play it every day. You match the colours. You've got a minute to match as many colours as you can. Uh, Diamond Dash. It's like that. Exactly like that. Oh, right, yeah. But with the patch, they sped it up. It, it, it controls better. The score in system is better. You get higher scores now. Things unlock quicker. It's just less of a grind than it used to be, and it's just really fun, and it's absolutely free. So if you own a Vita, download it. It costs you nothing. <laughs> it's just there on the store. And the other game I've been playing this week on the free to or play... any of those other platforms. Yeah, you can. You have to buy it on all those platforms. Right, it isn't right. free on those. It's like one ninety nine or something. But oh, if yeah. you like match three games, which I don't know anybody who doesn't just casually likes to play it, it's fun. And on the Vita with the touchscreen, it's kind of perfect because you just slide the gems around and match the match the. I've never played any of those with the touchscreen. They work the best with the touchscreen because you can be much faster than you can with a mouse. You know that makes sense. Um, so the other free-to-play game I've been playing this week, and why I've been playing free-to-play games this week is I was looking on Steam, and they have a free-to-play section now on Steam where you can download and play free games, and there's lots of them. So the first one I tried was Black Light Retribution, which is a first-person shooter that's new. And it's this freemium model that I think rubs me the wrong way a little bit. It's awesome on one hand, because you can play the game for free. But on the other hand, if you pay money, you get an advantage over everybody else. Oh, yeah, you do hate that. Yeah. Now, it's awesome on one hand, because if you are the type you can play it for hours and hours and hours, you can level up and play it and pay no money. But generally, everybody else is at an advantage to you. So, Blacklight Retribution is this shooter, and it does everything right, and it looks really good, and it has this unique thing that no shooters have. And there's a visor that you can pull down and look through. Now, you can only do it, like, 
it has, if you look through it, you can look through it for ten seconds, and then you can't look through it again for another couple of minutes. It like you have to wait for it to recharge. But what it shows you is all everything in the map is all the walls go invisible, mm-hmm. and you can see everybody in the map. All, all the is that why it's called black light retribution? No, I'll explain that. But it's you look through the visor and you can see everybody in the map, whether they be three rooms ahead of you, above you, wherever they are in relation to you, all the enemies. So what this does is it camping cannot be done. And camping is the act of just sitting in one place waiting for people to walk past and shooting them. Well, you can't do it because people look through the visor and can see where you are. So at all times, you are a target to somebody. Because somebody saw you and they're heading for you. Because they look through the visor, they go, oh, there's a scully, he's in that room there. And they're heading towards me. I know where everybody is because I probably just had a look. So I might know somebody's coming. So it keeps everybody moving all the time. So it avoids that I'm going to lie on the floor up here and shoot you as you walk past and I'm going to stay in this position the entire time, which people do in Call of Duty, etc. So it completely avoids camping. And it's a unique idea. And you can't, like, abuse it because you can only do it every two minutes. But because not everybody does it at the same time, you're always a threat, if you know what I mean. You're never safe. Because somebody can come from behind uh, because they know where you are. And you think, well, I'm three rooms ahead and I'm upstairs. How can anybody know I'm... Well, they saw you because you're orange when they look through the visor. It's a really fun technique to stop that. But the actual paying for things... Now, how they've done it, this freemium model is, it's a first-person shooter, so you're probably thinking, what what do you pay for? Well, all the guns are available, everything, for a very short period of time. So I can play the game for a couple of hours and try all the guns. Then all the guns get locked out, so you can't use them. So then you have to start renting the guns. So if I thought, oh, I've tried all ten of the guns, but I really like the shotgun... Now, the freemium model comes in. I can buy the shotgun uh, for about ten bucks. So I always have a shotgun. Ten real dollars? Yeah, well, remember, the game costs nothing. I don't care. Right, so, well, this is a different business model. Right. So the game costs nothing. But after you've tried it for a few hours and tried all the guns, you can't have a gun, right? So you've got to choose a gun. So... You can rent... So say I want the shotgun. I can I can buy the gun for 10 bucks. I'll always have the shotgun. I can level the shotgun up from there for nothing. You know, using it gives it more powers and stuff. Or I can rent the shotgun for three days. They have this three... You know, rent for three days. So if I think, well, I'd like to try the shotgun, but I might want to also use the machine gun. I don't have to buy the shotgun and the machine gun. I can rent the shotgun for a couple of days and then rent the machine gun. Now, when I say rent... It's a couple of bucks, like two bucks, one ninety nine to rent for a couple three days it is. But you also get in game credits that you get for killing people. So there's this other non real money that that occurs during the game. You can use that to rent guns. So if you're pretty good, you'll never have to spend any money because you can just rent the guns with the But you're stuck with zero guns. You have to buy one. You have to rent a gun at least after after you've tried So them you all. can't do it for free. Well yeah, because the in game credits yeah, but you would have had to have earned enough in the first... Yeah, well, you do. They make sure you do. In the in the period where you're trying out the guns, yeah. you earn a lot of credits. Okay. You will never get rid of all... There's tons of them. Okay. So that's the model. And remember, you're paying nothing for the game. So you're either paying... If you want all ten of the guns, you're paying a hundred bucks, right? 
Holy if you shit. want to buy all ten of the guns. Unless you're really good. You have to be say. hardcore, yeah, like, if you're going to do that, but... No, I mean, you'd be really good if you used, you bought the one, rented the one gun for three days and yeah. got enough credits then to buy the next gun and the next gun yeah, and yeah. the next gun. So you either go on that cycle of being good at it and renting guns every three days, or you go on the cycle of I buy a permanent gun, the one that I like, and never buy a gun again. So the business model basically is, the game's free, we'll let you try it for a while, but at some point you're probably only going to spend $10 on this game. Which isn't no different from them just charging $10 for the game. It's just yeah. all... It's just this rental thing. They get more money out of it, don't they? It's, it's a way of getting more money out of it. It's an interesting business model if you think about it. But I find the entry level when you go into the game and there's been people playing it for weeks and they've leveled it all up and paid the $10 and you're just like, okay, let me try and play this and everybody wastes you because you're just renting this basic gun. That's what ruins it. Right. Because it doesn't throw you in with all the new people, it throws you in with everybody. And then there's people who've paid 70 bucks and they've got every gun. And they've got the best armor and they've got the whole thing. That's what ruins the model for me. It's like... But, you know, it's interesting and I think this is the way it's all going to start going. Because they want you to get the game for free and then, you know, you've seen it before. We played Light... Uh, not Light... What was it called? There. Mm-hmm. You get into it, and then you're like, well, a couple of bucks for a new... We paid for our lifelong subscription. Right. And then they took and it away. And they took it away, right. <laughs> but, but you see the appeal, because you're in there, and you're like, well, I like this game. I play it every day. A couple of bucks for a new car in the game, which would provide me with more hours of fun to go and drive the car around. I actually fun. don't, because I don't think like that. Right. I think when you start asking me for more money, then I'm done. Yeah, I and I, I've started... Not, I don't want to pay for nothing. That has happened to me a lot. Um, Facebook games in particular. Mm-hmm. When they seem like fun, and then they start... Not even asking me for money. When they seem like fun, and then they start saying, tell your friends about this. Mm-hmm. You need to tell your friends again about this. Constantly. Tell your friends again about this. <laughs> yeah. They lose me. I just block the app. Like it, unless I really love it. Like, I play I don't. Uh, you don't know Jack. Yeah. It doesn't bug you, really. You can cancel everything. I mean, it asks you at the end of a game, do you want to tell your friends and brag about it? You don't have to. It doesn't really bug you. I always cancel it. Some games bug the shit out of you, like Mafia Wars. Every two minutes it's saying, well, if you want to do this mission, you're going to have to ask ten friends. Oh, yeah. Or the Sims Online, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a business model, and I think we're all going to have to learn to deal with it because it seems the way everything's going. Um, and the second freemium game I played this week on... You don't have to deal with it, just don't buy it. No, the second freemium game I played on Steam this week is Tribes Ascend. I was a big fan of Tribes in the past, and this is the new Tribes, and it's another freemium model. Game's free, play it as long as you want. You can earn... It's a different model, though. You can earn XP. You can buy guns with the XP. You can use any gun as long as you want. You just can't level the guns up until you get enough XP to level them up. So with Tribes Ascend, you don't have to pay anything. You can just play for hours and hours and hours and hours and get good guns. But there's a shortcut. You can pay some dollars and have a decent gun. That's, again, where it's ruined. Yeah. Because there's always that guy who says, well, I love this, so what's $100? I, I would have bought this for $60 and maybe bought some DLC. So I'll pay $100 now. I'll have everything I could possibly want, and I'll play this for five years. I'll just sit and play this. I love it. And have a... 
are ahead of everybody else? I'm being completely ahead of everybody okay. else. Better armor, better guns, better everything. And all the other people who are like, well, I kind of like this, I'll play it on and off, but I don't want to pay any money. They're at a disadvantage. So when Call of Duty starts doing that, you'll quit? Uh, yeah, I actually would if Call of Duty did that. And they don't do that. But the they next ma- gun that you want is going to be two more dollars. Yeah, I would not do it. And Call of Duty makes absolutely clear that that's not how it works. You level up depending At on the moment. you play. Yeah, I mean, if they made an online version of Call of Duty, which they say they will. It is online, though. I mean, like a massively multiplayer. They're thinking of doing one of those, which would be like through Steam or whatever. And it that would work like that, but I wouldn't play it. Um, so we also watched, and this is why you mentioned this earlier, Hobo with a Shotgun this week on Blu-ray. Um, just a quick... I loved it. I love those kind of... It's it's pretty crazy movie. Not for everybody. No. Um, but it, it tickles something in me that I kind of like. I don't know. What did you think? Um... It's like I've grown up, no offense, but I did used to love blood, guts, and gore, and I got it, and it's gooey, and it's fake, and it's plastic, and whatnot, and then as I was growing up, through my aging years, I'm 44, almost 45, 44 and a half, actually, now, then I think about what you're seeing in these movies, this is, what do you call it, Grindhouse, that's what it is, it is meant to be over-the-top exploitation, and what you're seeing is a representation of horrific suffering that whether you can just ignore it or you don't see it, I don't get anymore because that's what it is. And for no reason. You're trying to depict the bad guy as the ultra bad guy. Well, there are lots of ways to do that without making it so that you're actually soaking into your eyes, into your brain, this horrific, terrible things painful things doing to another human's body. Whether it's fake or not, it doesn't matter. So I've had to, I have to analyze every movie. I enjoy the concept. It's kind of cheeky and kind of flippant and it's got a good look about it. And the overall concept I like, you know, vigilante with a shotgun trying to bring down the horrible, trying to make the world a better place. It's just that it's really super childish to want it to be so extreme and have that image in your head of we're talking about like smashing someone's foot with a big sledgehammer and everybody laughing about it and it's just a, it's it's horrible, horrific and that's the idea but in terms of entertainment I think it is See, a, I, a waste. I, I like how horrendous it is because it it's like almost like punk rock filmmaking. It's like you know Fuck what other people are doing. We're gonna go really hard, like, and it and it is really hard. Like, it's it's not. There's some people couldn't even stomach it, right? And the, you know, some of the scenes, there are this peril, children in peril. Let's say there's really extreme scenes, but it's all done super tongue in cheek, in my opinion. And it reminds me of like the early films of Peter Jackson, like Dead Alive, where it's done with like a nod to the camera and a, you know. It doesn't subtract what you're putting in your brain. It doesn't. And that you're desensitizing yourself to the image or the idea of someone suffering horrifically for your entertainment. I personally loved it. I just loved it in the way I love all the Grindhouse flicks. I thought it fit perfectly with them. 
the Blu-ray is really good. The extras on it are in- there were a lot of amazing. Extras. Yeah, it's not like today's movie. It's full of extras. I'm talking like making ofs. If you're a fan of the movie, and if you're a fan of the movie, you probably already bought it because it's. I'd never heard of it unless you're a fan of it. It's that kind <laughs> of movie, isn't it? The one that finds its fans, like the director said, and they're the people who love so it. Let's tell them where it came from. Canada. No, I mean, where did this movie come from? Originally? Oh, from Grindhouse, the Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino movie from nineteen, no, from two thousand and seven. Um, it was a. There were fake trailers during the Grindhouse feature. If you saw the full feature, and the fake trailers in between the two movies. One of them was the Hobo with the Shotgun trailer, which was actually a contest which they did just before the movie came out for amateur filmmakers to make a fake Grindhouse trailer for a film that didn't exist, exist, that they they thought fit with the theme. And this was the winner of that trailer contest. It wasn't intended to become a movie, but along the lines, somebody decided... It became a movie. Uh, And the same with... Machete was the other movie that got made from the trailers, but that was a professional thing. That was Robert Rodriguez. So it, it is in the Grindhouse universe because it exists in the Grindhouse movie. So um, if you want a good Grindhouse um, night to the movies, you could get the Grindhouse full feature experience with Planet Terror and Death Proof, and then you could follow it with Hobo with a Shotgun and Machete. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole Grindhouse, you know, the whole thing, isn't it? Uh, and they're going to be doing Machete 2. And um, the other one's been talked about as well. The weird head on a plate one, whatever that was. I can't remember something about Thanksgiving. Yeah, like the turkey or something. Some weird, yeah, the one that Edgar Wright did the trailer for. So yeah, Hobo with a Shotgun, uh, I recommend it. You're to whom though? It has to be very To people specific. Uh, who like Grindhouse. Don't be a To people who liked Grindhouse. Don't, if your teenager says we're going to watch Hobo with a, uh, with a Shotgun, um, be, watch it with them. Or watch it first. Uh, it's, these aren't images that you want your 17, 16, 15 year old sons to be in the, live in the, in the bedroom going, <laughs> Look at that! You fucking bashed it with a with a bat with razor blades on it. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's insanely idiotic to me that that's entertaining. But I can subtract certain things, kind of. It's just not for everyone. If you're over forty <laughs> and you have no compassion in you whatsoever <laughs> and no heart or car or soul, you might enjoy it this week. I did enjoy it a lot, and I'm (laughs) glad I got it. So, uh, and the other thing I played this week on the Xbox 360 is the Resident Evil 6 demo. It's a short demo. Um, I didn't like the demo at all, actually, and I love Resident Evil. Hopefully, the final game is not representative of this demo, because this demo is not Resident Evil to me. It's like they subtracted all the horror of Resident Mm. Evil and made this fast-moving action game that doesn't actually control very well. Now, I just played the, like, 3DS version of Resident Evil, uh, the new Resident Evil Revelations, which is fantastic. It's just like going back to the old Resident Evil, but a brand new game in that same style. This Resident Evil 6, unfortunately, it's not that. It's like a shooter. It's like, they don't even... But you like shooters. Yeah, but I want Resident Evil in my Resident Evil. But so, if it wasn't a Resident Evil franchise, what would you think of it then? It'd probably be all right. Because so I, I don't have any, I don't have any preconceptions. So the game itself isn't bad. You just don't like the way they. Did the demo it. is bad to me, and I'm a Resident Evil fan. No, but it's not bad if it wasn't Resident Evil. No. So it's not bad. No. You're just putting your expectations on it. 
I just played the three D that three D S game and that was exceptionally good. It was like I thought that was the way Resident Evil was going to be from now on that three D S game because it was an exceptionally good brand new story in Resident Evil, and this is not really anything they've learned there. They're not doing here. They're doing something different. I don't really like how, how it's going, but there again, it's very early. It's not coming out until November, October. So um, we'll see. But I love Resident Evil, and unfortunately... Who are the stars of it this time? It's like three different stories. So it's like Chris Redfield is one of the stories. Leon is the other story from Resident Evil 4. And I don't know who the third one is. It might be Claire. But yeah, they're the main people, and it's the future... And the demos opens with you're in the president's office and the president's a zombie and you have to shoot him in the head. That's how it starts. So, the president of the USA. And if anyone who's a movie person doesn't realize, the Resident Evil we see in the movies with Alice, she's not in any of the games. No, they made Alice up. But most of the other characters in the Resident Evil movies are from the games. That Leon guy? Yeah. Hmm. Most of them are. They, he basically like takes the best parts of the games and introduces the characters. But Alice is, yeah, she doesn't appear in the games. Um, so yeah, Resident Evil Six demo. Uh, I've been reading uh, some comic books this week. The comic books I recommend to you this week, if you're going to get some new comic books, are the Hit Girl um, comic came out this week, issue one, uh, which is Hit Girl from Kickass. She's got her own spin-off comic. It's really good. I hope they make a Hit Girl movie because. Hit Girl's story seems better than the Kick-Ass story. Um, and the other one, and this is fantastic, I've been waiting a long time for this comic book, and it's before Watchmen. And it's the prequel to Watchmen. Now, some people will say, hmm, the prequel to Watchmen. That sounds interesting. I'm going to go and buy that. Now, the guy, Alan Moore, who wrote Watchmen, has nothing to do with this before Watchmen. He, in fact, says goes on record to say I don't even condone, endorse it or anything it's it's not nothing even though DC put this out so don't go off what he says even though he invented Watchmen and he's telling you not to read these prequels because they're nothing to do with him they're actually really good and the first issue is Silk Spectre but if they're not from his mind and that's what people like they're not from his know. mind but there's a lot of in comic books different people take on yeah. different um you know, Kevin Smith did a version of Spider-Man. You know, it, different people do different things. Just see them... Th- I don't see them as canon and Watchmen, but it's interesting to see some of the early days. You see 1950s Silk Spectre, which is really cool. That's the first issue. It's all about her. And each issue is going to cover a different Watchmen, Night Owl and Rorschach. So you're just going to get, you know, more expanded story on the Watchmen, which you've not had. The Watchmen's an old comic. It came out in the 80s early 90s so nobody's had any other there's never been another Watchman thing just that 12 issues that was it the movie so this is just new Watchmen and it's like you know it seems the right time for me so yeah before Watchmen it's called and it's out now DC Comics Uh, I'm reading it on the uh, Android tablet looks really good you can get it on the DC store Um, and finally the RSS feed last week was broken so you might not have got last week's episode of this show um, on time because I only fixed it this morning. Unless you were super like detective and you went to the website and just listened to it like I tell you to do every week. 
But if you didn't and you were waiting for it to show up in iTunes, it, it, it probably didn't until this morning. And I figured out what it was. And what it is, is you... Because you are a detective. Yeah. My RSS file got too big because I have every single episode in the file. So as I kept stacking an episode on top of it every week, the file swelled. And then the file got too big for iTunes to look at. iTunes won't look at certain size files. So I went in and cut down the amount of shows that were... I've cut it down to 50. So now when you subscribe in iTunes, you'll only see the last 50 shows. But if you want anything before that, just go to aschoolie.com and they're all there in the archive. So or go do a Google Reader, subscribe to it, and that's they'll all show yeah, up in Yeah, or do it in that. But in iTunes, you're going to see the last 50. And that's common practice for every podcast I learned this morning. I'm new it to, isn't Google I'm new Reader to this. easier only... for you to download it with instead of from well, your site? All you what? can do is listen to it from your site. But on Google Reader, you can say, like, download the file, right? If they don't want to just listen yeah, to it from the you can computer. download it from my site too. Can you? Yeah, just download the enclosure. But you can. Um, what do you mean? It says save, right click, save as MP3. Underneath. Oh right, I just meant on Google Reader it has like that button right there. Yeah. You want to download it instead of figuring out other ways. But it was it didn't affect anything else. It just affected iTunes, and a lot of people use iTunes and they get it on their iPhone and then listen to it on the way to work, and it wouldn't have shown up there. But it will show up now, and it will show up every time. So every week you have to go delete. Your oldest one, and put a new one. No, it automatically just shows the last 50. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I don't have to do anything anymore. But, yeah, thanks for letting me know, the few people that did let me know. And hopefully you figured it out and went and downloaded a copy off the website. So, yeah, that's my stuff for this week. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? What do you want? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what there is. (laughs) Oh, women, you know that answer, don't you? Uh, Veggie burgers, french fries, vegetables... And I made some no cheese, cheese sauce, nacho stuff. You can't call it. it cheese sauce if it's got no cheese. It is. It's got... It's just sauce. Daya and some... I'll forget the name of them. But another company that makes non-dairy cheeses, like out of vegetable protein. And it's really good. Like really melty and creamy and I put salsa in it and it's just like a nacho cheese. We'll call it C-H-E-Z then. That's what people try to... If they don't want it to be cheese, if they want to be vegan about it, they'll spell it C-H-E-E-Z. So I guess that's what we'll call it. Cheese Whiz. No, Cheese Whiz is dairy. Is it? Is the vegan Cheese Whiz? Not that I'm aware of. But uh, that's what's for dinner. And my advice is pretty simple, not very deep, but go see more plays and concerts. My mother, my nephew, and I went to see Bessel Horace in Texas last week at a small town theater. It's in Macon, Missouri, and it's called the Maples Repertory Theater, I believe. Yes, Maples Repertory Theater, and this, the play is still going on, actually, until the 29th of July. And it is it's a small theater. It's local, small town. And my thing, and on, we went to 4th of July uptown, walked around, and they had bands on different street corners and, like, a couple of performances, and then one band was just plunked in front of one of the bars and playing on the, on the sidewalk. And the feel, oh, and we walked by one of the tattoo parlors and they had the tattoo artist doing tattoos right up in the window, like where they would normally have a display, but he was doing it right in the window. Anything that's like live performance or live art, I just think a lot of people either have never tried it or you, we get really removed from it now because I can literally go online on YouTube and watch a play, you know, I can say, I want to see Best Little Horse in Texas play production, and there's going to be somebody who's recorded... There's going to be hundreds of them. Exactly. And I can sit here and watch it, 
And while that that is almost as satisfying because it's just people doing their play and there's something about being in the room with people who you know two minutes ago were backstage like rubbing their hands together and primping their hair and like taking deep breaths and going okay like this is it and knowing that they're they're not supposed to make any mistakes and whatever happens you just keep going and all that kind of stuff and with concerts and live music there's this thing, there's a connection you have with people playing their live music. And the other day it was 107 degrees. So when those people, those band members are standing there and they've got, they've got big long extension cords from inside the restaurant with cheap little box fans blowing on them, blowing hot air on them. And they're close to where they're frying up a bunch of hot food. And they're just standing there, sweat dripping off their faces, playing their guitars. Can they mandolin. complain about the weather? What do you mean? I'm just... All right. Uh, I just think... They're really, I guess they're getting paid, but there's something really like, I don't know, they really mean it. If they're standing right in front of you, they're, that's them. Like you can, they can make a mistake and make a fool out of themselves. They can hear you booing or talking about them. They're going to hear it if people go, what a load of shit. I mean, it's right in their face. It's not like listening to somebody's CD. Nobody says that. Sure people do. What a load of shit. Sure. Absolutely. When he was at the play, people were shouting, what a load of shit. Not at the play, I don't think. Because it was a small town, so it would have been a lot of people who know the people on stage. But absolutely, when people are playing music on the street side or a little concert, oh yeah, loads of people will say like, you suck, or go home, or what a load of shit. Like, oh, absolutely. The guy who won the competition to sing the Star Spangled Banner, he said, we couldn't see him because we were up too far. And it was dusk. It was just, the sun was going down, so he was going to sing right before the fireworks display. And <laughs> to be truthful, he sounded really super nervous and really super shaky and like <laughs> like that. And the people were yelling, "You suck!" and "You shouldn't have won!" because it was like the local idol competition. Oh, so yeah, people don't have that stop sign just because you do and you're polite doesn't mean everyone is. So he's standing there live trying to sing and people are yelling horrible things at him other people are cheering him on of course but I think it's a very special thing to if you're a good audience member to participate in these kinds of things I just think it's uh, we don't want to lose it you know we don't want to discourage people from doing these live movies aren't the only good kind of storytelling entertainment I don't think so well no comic books are good I just no uh, I mean things where people are acting out stories movies aren't um, the only good form of that like, live-action thing that you watch. Right. No, that's my advice. That's all a play is. It's just a movie kind of acting out in front of you. What? That's what a play is. How about I mean, that's movie? what a movie is. A movie's just... Oh, a... you could do it both ways. What I'm saying is... Plays both... existed first, so movies are just plays put on film, basically. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But plays came first. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that if you have the time or the inclination, every town, every small town almost, at least within 100 miles of you, is going to have some sort of theater group or Unless performance. You in Africa or the Andes. Do you think anyone who listens to this is in Africa? Why not? I'm just asking. <laughs> have you not? got any statistics of people yes. in Africa? Yes, there are people in Africa who listen to this. Right. I bet they still have live performance near them. If they're near a place where they can get the internet, they're probably near some place where they can watch someone dancing or playing music or in a play of some kind. Yes. How about Antarctica? Sure, because if you're with a group of people, somebody's going to have a guitar, aren't they? 
if you're stranded with a bunch of people in Antarctica in a some sort of military or science place, somebody's going to have a guitar, tambourine, a set of drums, or something to where they can play live music for How you. How about the most remote place in the world where there is nobody? Isn't that it? Well, then, then you wouldn't be there either. Well, maybe I'm having a holiday being there. Well, then you're going to come home, and then you'll be mostly of the time at home. You'll have I'm a chance to I'm just trying to say that there's not going to be that everywhere. I disagree. All right, so is that it? Yep. It's all it's on my list. All right, so I want to remind you about our websites, uh, aschoolie.com, sidsaw.com. You can catch us both on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube, the Zoom Marketplace, Is if you've got a Zoom, uh, all three of you. You can subscribe there. If you have an iPod, all 20 million of you, you can go to iTunes.com uh, and go on the iTunes Music Store and you can get this podcast. And we've also got an RSS feed, which is working fully, even if you use iTunes from this date. You can email feedback to me at com. Don't email Sid Talk. She does not agree with you. Not true. I don't know yet. <laughs> I may or may not, but the... Ooh, the scary part is I'm willing to tell you. That's the worst part. What does that mean? The worst part about me is I'm willing to tell someone that I disagree with them. It's terrible. It's possible she will not agree with you. It's Um, possible that I will. If you're a highly intelligent, very well-rounded, reasonable human being, I probably will agree with you. Or not. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so stay classy, Mr. Um, Jason Seagal. Steven Seagal's son. (laughs) Reckon. Yep. And uh, we'll see you next week. Maybe that's why I'm not that big of a fan. (laughs) We'll see you next week for our review of Barbarella on Blu-ray. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm going to say think for yourself. Because if you don't do it, someone will do it for you. 